Welcome back to another episode of the Body Mind Strong podcast, where we talk all things life, fitness, and health. My name is Renee, your host and integrated wellness coach. My mission with Body and Mind Strong is to help you achieve your life, health, and fitness goals and maintain long-term success by giving you the proper tools through online health, wellness, and behavioral coaching. We're rolling along with episode 41, and I'm so excited about today's episode because it's another interview. I just love interviews. I think it makes this podcast a little more interesting than just listening to me drag on about a topic. Anyways, today's guest comes from chance Googling twice. I mean, it was fate. Anyways, so what do you get when you cross a former chubby kid and a former collegiate athlete with a lesbian, a fresh Gen Y entrepreneur, and an ass-kicking trainer? You get the founder of the Queer Gym, Natalie. For the past six years, Natalie has shaped and evolved the Queer Gym, which was formerly known as the Perfect Sidekick, into what it is today based on her own experience as a lesbian who's into fitness, but totally over all the extra bullshit she sees people experience in the gym, especially LGBTQ people. An athlete all her life and the eighth out of family of 10, she knows a thing or two about building a community and furthermore, empowering that community to take over the world one happy, healthy homo at a time. So without further ado, I bring you the interview. Awesome. All right. We are live. Hi, Nat. Welcome. Welcome. So glad to have you on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. So let's just kind of roll into some of the questions. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I kind of already did your the intro for it. So let's kind of just bring you on and let's find out more about yourself. So well, actually, first, I didn't know if you wanted to bring this up, but I did want to mention how I found you. But I think let's get into introducing you first and then we'll kind of come back to that. Okay. So, cool. all right. So, Nat, tell me a little bit. I know I found you with Queer Gym. You're the founder of Queer Gym. So just kind of tell me a little bit about what Queer Gym is all about. Yeah. So the mission with Queer Gym is to make happy, healthy homos. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially that whole thing came from you know, my own shitty experience as a queer person in kind of a mainstream commercial gym. Mm-hmm. And we founded the gym in 2010. So we've been around now for about 14 years or so. And it's been quite a right. It's looked different, you know, different iterations of it. Um, but really what we're trying to do is essentially create a space that is welcoming and affirming and celebratory of the queer community. Okay. Awesome. And I know you started off at a, like a brick and mortar location in California, and then you kind of have morphed. And I think part, partly due to COVID, but you've been able to morph and kind of grow your company. What's it, what was that transition like for you? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, um, it was very much of like, fuck it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any money, but I'm going to do what I can with what I have and figure it out along the way. I love Um, that spirit. (laughs) And yeah, I think too often we wait for perfect conditions and perfect information Uh and perfect money. And like, that just never really happens. Um, Which is totally true. Sorry to cut you off there, but it's totally true. That's the one thing I always work a lot on is everyone waits for like that perfect time. And there really isn't. It's like that perfect time. You just kind of have to jump in the water and 
see what happens and go from there. Yeah, that's why it kills me when I talk to people and they're like, oh, well, let me wait a couple of weeks because that stuff's busy and blah, blah. And I was like, cool. So you're just going to start and stop every time things get busy, which is all the time. Life. So then you'll never yeah. go to start. So then, cool. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you just jumped in. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but shit, let's just No, do I mean, in retrospect, like ignorance was definitely bliss um, uh -huh. because that was kind of at the end of the recession at that point. Um, I was also a full-time grad student. Um, I was also working like an office job full-time and to start your own business in the middle of that. Whoa. Okay. This I did not. Okay. I don't remember talking about this because I remember going to grad school full-time, working full-time. And I don't think I had time to like, I don't know, scratch my ass, but you were able to start a business in the middle of all this. Yeah. Wow. You know, like I said, I really think like ignorance was on my side at that point because in retrospect, fuck no, like that sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know any better and I was like, fuck it. So like I remember going to Target with like a $50 gift card and being like, okay, what can I give 50 bucks? Mm -hmm. And not a whole lot you know, even back then. So I think yeah. I bought a mat, a jump rope and like one dumbbell because that's all I could afford. And how we ended up getting our first location, also kind of like a whim. Um, I saw an ad on Craigslist and I remember I went to see it Thanksgiving morning. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially a therapy office that they were subleasing. Mm -hmm. um, and I walked in and I was like, wow, this is super cute. Like, you know, I'm interested and they're like, cool. Well, here's the keys and it's Thanksgiving morning. I'll come back after Thanksgiving and you can sign the lease. And I was like, that's it? Like, you're not gonna like run my credit or like, she's like, you seem like a good person. Here's the keys, happy Thanksgiving. I'll be back Saturday. And <laughs> I was like, okay. So I was just so excited about getting the keys that I think I ended up having for Thanksgiving, I think I had like KFC and a bottle of champagne. And I just sat in the studio on the floor enjoying my Thanksgiving dinner and being like, this is fucking awesome. Like, holy shit, I have like, I have a place. Mm -hmm. And it was furnished as well, but it was furnished as a therapy office. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me move all these couches. I'm gonna do some burpees on here. And then boom, it's a gym. And that was... It. Like it wasn't, I didn't have money. I didn't have equipment. I didn't have anything really um, other than just the attitude of like, fuck it. If I can do pushups and burpees and squats here, guess what? It's a fucking gym now. So hmm, there we go. And that's how we got our first place. Oh, I can imagine that feeling. And I just, I love the the KFC and the champagne on the, <laughs> on the floor because I know that feeling. And I know the feeling like when I gain my first office, when there's something new, it's just, it's almost, I don't know if altruistic, I probably mispronounced that word, but it's just that euphoria almost of this is amazing. I have this huge future. I can go anywhere, do anything with this. Now we have it. Where do we go from here? You know? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that has just been like, I feel like fuck it has gotten me so much further than degrees and experience and connections. It's just being like, 
fuck it. I just know what I have now, I don't like. So I'll fucking figure it out. Yeah, and it me. is. It is definitely that because I got my MBA as well. And just going through the process, it was just kind of like, well, this is kind of helping me learn how to run a business. But at the same time, it wasn't because it, it was more theoretical than hands-on. That screw it, let's do it. Is that kind of like, let's just get hands-on. And that's kind of how you learn to run a business is you just go and you learn trial and error. Things are going to screw up. Things are going to go great. You learn from your mistakes and you just keep on rolling. And that's how you learn. So I love that. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like, the people that are ahead of you, first of all, they always want to help. It's always the people that are not doing better than you that talk shit. Mm-hmm. And people that are doing better, Definitely. I think they're more impressed by that attitude than mm-hmm. being like, here's my perfect business plan. And here's my degrees. Like, okay, you can have all those things, but if you don't have the right attitude and the right um the right i guess attitude for you mm-hmm. know to go after it like i and i i have found that at least in my experience um people were just willing to take a shot at it cuz they're like how did you i'm like i i don't know but i'm fucking here and i'm doing it and I'm like just keep fucking with me and i'll show you yeah um and i feel like that attitude has actually opened a lot more doors for me than accolades and degrees and resumes and all that um so like I'll tell you this story so that's how we got our first place from that first place um we ended up taking over the entire office because we grew yeah so that was kind of like the second spot the third spot um I found the perfect place and the guy this was like through a broker and and it was perfect and the guy's like, well, it is perfect, but he doesn't want to rent to you. And I'm like, why not? If it's perfect. He's like, well, one, you're really young. I was like 25 at the time. Mm-hmm. Like you're really young. This is your first business. And gyms have a low success rate. And I was like, so let me meet him. And so he arranged a meeting with me and the owner of the building we met up at a coffee shop. I walked in, shook his hand, and I was like, okay, we're fucking grown-ass people. It's 5 o'clock. Fuck coffee. Let's go get a drink. Mm-hmm. And we walked over to like a little bar on the corner, and we just talked. And he was like, I'm, I'm going to take a chance on you. And I was like, cool. He's like, doesn't make sense, but your vibe, like, like you're pretty ballsy to like, and it, it wasn't just like some mom and pop owner. Like this guy was like an investor. Like this was like a rich fucking dude. Yeah. He was like, you're kind of ballsy. I can respect that. So I'm willing to take a chance. And I ended up renting from him for like the next five years or so. Um, and he ended up becoming one of my like wealth mentors and, you know, ended up hanging out with him and meeting his people and stuff. But mm-hmm. he was just like, I want, like, the fact that you asked for the meeting was impressive enough for me to just come check you out. And so that's kind of how I've landed. It's just, like, my attitude of fuck it has opened more doors than not. It's More good has come from fuck it than not. I'll say that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is awesome. And I think it's interesting how, like, as I'm trying to get in businesses as well, how your mentors tend to come out of unexpected places. Yeah. And having, I've just noticed having the mentors are just, it's huge because I went through a period where I didn't really have any. And I was like, okay, where do I go? Who do I look towards? I don't want to be like their business, but I, you know, I want to see how they act and how they jump on things. And just talking with you, I'm like, oh, there's another one. Like just having them that camaraderie and having someone else that, you know, especially for me as another, having another woman, like, hey, I've done this. We're going to jump in. We're going to do this is to me is a lot. It means a lot, you know, to see other women to do those things as well. Because growing up, it was always, I saw men in higher positions. And so to see women kind of move up or own their own businesses and just jump in and just go. And I know I just went off on a, a tangent just now, but I think it's just cool. I just like going back to having those mentors and you just never know where they come from. And they mm -hmm. just, they will show up and for whatever reason, they're there for a reason to help you out. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So then you went on, you had the gym for five years. And then what happened after the five years? Was this where COVID jumped in? No. So five years, that's kind of where we rebranded a little bit. So mm -hmm. initially we were operating as the perfect sidekick LGBTQ gym, mm -hmm. which is a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, whenever I would talk to people, they're like, oh, you're like a psychic, like a palm reader. I'm like, no, psychic, like a superhero, like, like you're the hero and I'm your psychic. I'm going to help you. And they're like, oh, OK. And it's a what gym? Like this is in 2010. So like LGBTQ, LGBT qua, all this thing was not a thing back then. And, and mm -hmm. I was like, LGBT, you know, like I was like, you know, like, like fucking gay people, like a gym for gay people. That's what I'm doing. Like I you know, I just get so frustrated after having the same fucking conversation. I'm not a psychic and it's for gay people. Like, yeah. let's get that over with. And around year five, one of my members was a graphic designer. And he basically pitched me and he's like, hey, he basically was like, you know how you helped me look this good? He's like, no offense, <laughs> but your shit is fugly and we need to rebrand this. And he's like, you know, let's work something out. And he rebranded, he redid our logo. Um, we went from the perfect sidekick LGBTQ gym to the queer gym. Um, that's also part of my vibe. I'm just very much like, this is who the fuck I am. Mm -hmm. Love it or leave it. And yeah, so that's, you know, we got a new look, uh, we got a new name, but everything else pretty much remained the same. It was just, I didn't have to do that whole mouthful speech every time I would introduce the business or myself to that. So that happened around year five. Um, the other thing that happened around year five was we started um, running our, um, basically like our introduction program that we still run to this day. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was really impactful in the sense of clients really started to see real changes, real results. Um, and because of the way that it was structured, it really grew our business as well. Um, so we still run that same six week program right now that then downsells into other programs. Mm -hmm. But there's just a lot of things that I like about that six week program. Um, and that kind of led us, from there we moved into another location, which was a bigger location. This is like the biggest one in, in Oakland. Mm -hmm. um, 
And we ran that until COVID hit. Um, at that point, I wouldn't say that we went virtual because of COVID. We had gone virtual a few months before COVID, mm-hmm. but COVID really like catapulted us to the online space. Um, because up to this point, I had been very, I wasn't a fan of online. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really believe in online coaching and all these other things. Like I was like, no, you need a space, you need a community, you need a building, you need equipment, you need all these things. Um, and this was also during the time where, you know, CrossFit and studio boutique gym, soul cycle, all these things started to become really popular mm-hmm. so much that they did disrupt the regular, you know, big gyms. That's when you started to see big gyms now have like, we have a CrossFit area too. And we do, you know, these things. And so they, because of that, and also because it's much easier to start off, start, you know, a a boot camp boutique gym, because you really don't need equipment. Um, Those big commercial gyms, like a commercial treadmill is about 10 grand. And you see the lines of them. Yeah. Um, And so it's harder to get into that, but a boot camp where you do squats and push-ups and sit-ups, you don't really need a whole lot. Um, so the combination of those things, we really started to see changes happening with our main service, which was um, group classes. And we offered at that point groups and semi-privates. Mm-hmm. Um, and the group situation, the writing on the wall that I saw was essentially everybody's competing on price at this point. It's easy mm-hmm. to get in here. And everybody's just trying to do it cheaper. And I knew that's not a, a game I wanted to win. <laughs> and uh, so maybe about six months before COVID happened, I was like, I just have this funny feeling. I think I want to get rid of the groups. I think I want to focus on growing the semi-privates. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I want to start thinking about what it looks like for us to go online. Um. Six months later, COVID happened. And I mean, we that was a really big risk for us because we went from like 268 clients. By the time COVID hit, we had lost 200 clients or like we wow. had gotten rid of 200 clients because the, the group classes were about 70% of our members. Oh, wow. And, you know, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, I guess we really are rebuilding. Um, and then COVID hit. And then mm-hmm. within two weeks, we were back up to almost 200 clients again. Um, and at that point, I think the reason we did really well was because we leaned in more into the community mm-hmm. than into the workouts, because I think the majority of the crowd was like focusing on the workouts and they were also being really lazy about it. Like, I'm just going to record this workout and send it to my clients and I hope they do it. And it was just either they, either they were going to sit it out and wait or they were gonna do it and focus on the workouts and do a lazy fucking job at it. Mm-hmm. And nobody was really talking about community. And this is in the beginning of COVID, so no one's used to being in their house by themselves and everyone's itching to connect with humans. And um, that's where we leaned into. We're like, we were literally like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. We don't know what we're doing, but let's just hang out. We'll figure it out. And we focus more on having happy hours every day and 
having, you know, like fun little challenges and we focus more on the shenanigans than on the workouts. Um, and I think that's where people really gravitate because at the end of the day, it's not the workouts that people come for you, come to you for It's the culture, the tribe, the community. People. And, um, and that was what, four years ago now? Uh, that was in around March for California. And then in June, yep. our lease was up. Mm-hmm. And in June, I was like, mm, I think we're onto something here again. That was almost like a perfect storm for you because it was the ballsy attitude. Let's just go do this. And then you had this obstacle that like COVID, a major obstacle for a lot of people. And I know when I work with a lot of my clients, it's like they try to fight sometimes when it doesn't go exactly the way they want it and they try to fight it. And we really work on like, you just kind of have to go with the flow. And that's kind of what you did. You had this idea, you're like, okay, things are changing. How do we roll with this, but still incorporate what we need to. And you just rolled with it, which is awesome. I love seeing that. Yeah. yeah. And it worked for you. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to learn to just chill the fuck out and ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Ride it out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's- so, yeah. So, you know, I think at that point, running it online was really cool. I think the next time that we, I think the next lesson that we learned was that it's not the same. Um, it's a little bit different running a company online than it is in mm-hmm. person. And not so much because of like, we didn't, like, we were still charging the same theme. We were still doing the same six-week program. We were still running the same classes. Like, everything was the same. Mm-hmm. What was different is how do you cultivate culture in your team when everybody's working online and at this point no one really had experience working online mm-hmm. um, you know we didn't have we didn't we didn't have experience being an online company and they didn't have an experience being a remote worker yeah and so you know that those were all kind of new challenges um and i think just internally we weren't ready for that type of growth at that rate and eventually we were like Ooh, okay, this needs to be a little bit different on how we bring our team together and how do we connect as a team and things like that. Um, and so, you know, we've been calling ourselves a virtual gym since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, next year, we're going to be calling ourselves a hybrid gym, which will probably confuse people even more. Um, but I think my my next little guess is that people have gotten used to the convenience of doing things from home, like to where going to a physical gym might be too inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people are still people and they still want that face-to-face in real life interaction. Um, so next year, our intention is to um, still remain virtually, mm-hmm. but we're going to start incorporating meetups and pop-ups um, and just giving our clients and our coaches opportunities for more FaceTime together like actual in real life engagements. Oh, that's amazing. So not only like, I know some personal trainers will actually go to someone's house, but would you also like incorporate, let's say, um, group stuff at parks or is this still going to be like one-on-one small? No, everything is, um, we don't do any one-on-one. All of our workouts are all um, group. small groups. Okay. Um, and so it's going to look pretty chill. Um, Because at the end of the day, people are going to show up for each other, not for like the event 
you know? Mm -hmm. So we're thinking like, um, you know, hey, I'm going to be in LA. Let's meet up and go for a hike. Hey, um, picnic at the park. Um, we're trying to stay away from like bars and nightclubs and happy hours and things like that. And just, you know, make it more of a, something that we can do outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, if we can keep the cost down, that makes it accessible for everybody. Um, and at the end of the day, like, People are people just want an opportunity to connect and they can do that on a hike. They can do that, you know, getting together at a park and doing a workout together. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Wish you luck on that. That's kind of cool. I can't wait to see how that folds, unfolds for you on that one. Um, yeah, it's new territory. I'm sure we're going to fuck up a lot, but you, <laughs> you just go for it. Ballsy, just jump. We'll see what happens and we adjust as we need to as we go along and see what works and what doesn't. And you roll with what works and you keep adding to that. So mm -hmm. awesome. Now, when we talked a little bit um, before in our last, when we met each other the first time, um, you mentioned that you had, you told a very interest, interesting story of how you decided to actually go into getting your own gym and just your transformation of that. Can you just tell us a little, you know, repeat, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, on paper, it sounds like it was a perfectly executed plan, but mm -hmm that's just kind of the way it worked out. That was never the intention. Um, I grew up um, playing sports and just kind of being an active little wild child. Um, and I played basketball through college. Um, so I was just kind of always athletic. I always enjoyed going to the gym, things like that. Um, and then initially I had gone to college because I wanted to go into physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that I really liked seeing the client progress I just did not like clinical settings. And so I ended up graduating. Um, and I was like, oh, God, I still have to go to physical therapy school. Like, I just really don't see myself doing that. But I just kind of realized it a little too late, like my senior year. <laughs> so I was like, fuck, OK. Um, you know, I had also gained a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. um, I was about 70 pounds overweight. So I had my sports medicine degree. I was terribly out of shape. Um, and then I ended up moving back home with my mom to figure out until I figured out what was what I was going to do next. And I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I did know that I did not want to be 70 pounds overweight. Um, so I just basically I was like, okay, well, I'm not sure what I want. I am sure I don't want this. So let me start working on this while I figure out the next thing. And I just started going to the gym to, for my own weight loss. Um, I became friends with the manager there for the trainers. And mm -hmm. it was actually like, Hey, like, I didn't know you had all these degrees and certifications and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, but it was for physical therapy. It's cause I was in school and whatever. And he's like, you should be a trainer here. And my first reaction was like, I have a sports medicine degree. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be a trainer. <laughs> like, the fuck? Yeah. I was insulted, you know? And he was like, Think about it. He was like, most people that we work with are broken. So you'll get that nerd fix. Um, and you'll get to do it in a gym. And you <laughs> like the nerd fix. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you like the gym. You get to do what you like in a place you like. So maybe think about it. And I was like, uh, I'll think about it. And um, and so I ended up taking the job, but there was a fucked up caveat to it. Mm -hmm. um, 
I had to show significant weight loss between the first six months in order for me to keep my job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How your weight loss or your client's weight loss? My, I had to show significant weight loss in the first six months to keep the job. Okay. So I don't know how legal that is. Oh, wow. Um, uh, I would say no. Um, also, f- even if it is legal, fucked up. But at this point, I was about 250-ish pounds. I, my body fat was like 43% body fat. Um, and instead of like boohoo and crying about it, I was just like, man, fuck you and fuck this. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just harnessed that anger anger, and was just like, <laughs> fuck all you guys. I'm doing this. And I remember literally like people's expressions when they were like, oh, here's going to here's your trainer. Like their expression was like, they never said it, but their expression said everything. Yeah. And I went from that to, by the time I left that company, I had like a, like a two month waiting list to train with me because they had seen the transformation themselves, you know, just kind of looking on on the gym floor. And um, the other part of it was like, I would, they could actually relate to me and I can actually relate to them and be like, yeah, I know when you, yeah, like the fucking cookies are delicious. And I, you know, like I, I was just relatable to them mm-hmm. and they had seen my process. Um, and so I started working as a trainer. Um, at this point, I'm still looking straight. I have long hair. Mm-hmm. I'm femme. Um, I'm just a trainer. I, I left that company and I moved to a second company as an assistant manager um, that's where I kind of started to understand the business side of it and how to operate in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was killing it there. I was the youngest manager in the company. My gym was like top performing gym. And at this point I had no experience managing shit. Mm-hmm. Um, my only drive was like, we can't have shitty trainers. So I was like, we would only hire amazing trainers. I would keep them busy. And it was just about the training. Like that's the reason our, my gym did really well was because I was so obsessed with having good trainers. Mm-hmm. If they're the product and they're really fucking good, the rest of it should kind of play out. And that's kind of how I um, moved up in the company. Um, I ended up leaving the company because the recession had hit, had started mm-hmm. and they were pausing any promotions they weren't pausing the demands. So they're like, hey, we want you to still work like a district manager, but we can't pay you because we're in a recession. Yeah. And I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Um, and, you know, I kind of ran my course there and I was like, started to get interested in business because I was doing it. And then I was mm-hmm. also reading books. I, my first book was like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, well, kind of think I could do this on my own. I think I can kind of do it better. But I'm still looking straight. I'm still fan with the long hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I left that and I this and then I went to Planet Fitness. And that's kind of when Planet Fitness was just starting out. Yeah. And I made a deal with the owner and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll teach you a little bullshit Planet Fitness classes if you let me train clients here rent free. That was a deal. And he did. And I was making like eight to 10 grand under the table at that point, just training clients out of Planet Fitness. Um, And then at that point, I was like, okay, 
I want to start my gym. Like, I, I think I want to do this. And, um, and at that point, I started to look more queer. So I was uh-huh. cutting my hair. I was presenting more masculine now. And then that's when the gym really got weird and didn't really understand why. I was like, nothing uh-huh. has changed except my fucking haircut. And that's really all it took. Um, so I went from loving being in the gym. I loved working there. I loved working out there, like literally at the gym all day to training my clients, going home and working out in my room or at the park because it was just cringy. Yeah. Um, everything from locker rooms were a complete shit show. I was like, I just need to fucking change my pad. Like no one's fucking looking at you. I just mm-hmm. need to fucking take a shit. Are you okay with that? Um, to if I was working out with my girlfriend, guys, I don't know why guys think it's okay to go to two women in the weight room and ask them for threesomes. Oh, wow. Um, and I was just like, fuck this entire fucking place. Mm-hmm. And all the gyms were like that. And that led me to Googling queer jam, queer trainer, lesbian trainer. Like, I was just like, I can't be the only queer with a short haircut having a shitty experience. Like, mm-hmm. where are they all going? They have to go somewhere. I just probably haven't tapped into the community yet. And I just Googled my little heart out. And the only thing I ever got back from Google was porn. And I was like, well, not the lesbian workout I'm trying to get to, but okay. <laughs> okay. And um, that's when I got the idea of like, well, fuck, there's nothing out there. Like, what if we just make one up? And I wasn't, I just didn't believe that it didn't exist. So it took me a long time um, to be able to like, speak out and say, we're the first queer gym, because I just, I was like, somebody else out there had to have had this idea. Like, I'm not the first fucking queer to, like queer in the, in the world. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, but we did a lot of research. We hired some, some uh, marketing firms. And the only thing that we found were um, straight gyms that were in gay neighborhoods. So for example, mm-hmm. like, a 24-hour fitness in the neighborhood was probably going to have a lot more gay people than, you know, another one. Yeah. Or we found um, people who were queer who owned gyms, but the gym was in the closet. Like nobody, like it wasn't marketed as a queer gym for queer mm-hmm. people. It was just like a gym that happened to be owned by a queer person. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, fuck it. We're we're going to claim it. And if someone else can prove otherwise, then we'll have the conversation there. But for now, fuck it. We're the first queer gym in America. And it's just, it just, it does suck. Cause especially for women, I know a lot of women like trying to get them into the free weight section first is really hard. And then when you have like certain males that just make it worse, I'm not saying all, cause some of them, there's some really good guys out there. They're like, Hey, let's do this. But you always have that that ass, that prick, that is just the rooster. There's always a rooster as well that walks around thinking, I don't even know how else to describe him as the rooster. But I mean, health and wellness is really just, it's inclusive. No one should be excluded out. And like how they come out with these videos, making fun of people at the gym. I mean, I mean, I can go on a a whole tangent on this whole thing. So, but it's, you know, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that because that just 
kind of sucks because health and wellness is supposed to be a positive. Going to the gym is a positive thing. I push it hard because it's amazing. It's a great coping skill, stress management. It's amazing for your mental health. They've done so much research on it. And strength training, especially for women as we age, is a major thing as well for our health. And so it's trying to push it, yet people have experiences like yours. And it's just, it's counterintuitive to to the whole yeah. philosophy, theory, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I mean, not so much now, but definitely when we started, I would say, in, you know, the earlier years, about 20% of our members were straight. Mm-hmm. And they were typically straight women who had shitty gym experiences mm-hmm. um, or even like, you know, think about the straight guy who was not captain of the football team. Mm-hmm. Like they also have pretty shitty experiences in weight rooms. Yeah. Um, so for a long time, I would say maybe like the first 10 years, we kind of averaged about 20 to 15 percent of our members that were allies. Mm-hmm. And they were just looking for a space to work out where they felt more comfortable. Yeah. So, okay, let's shift this a little bit. I wanted to ask you, are you noticing any, um, because of maybe the stigma of going into a a so-called straight gym, quotes, and I'm putting that Mm -hmm. in quotes, um, for queer people, are you finding like, are there certain health patterns, trends that may be a little bit noticeable in the queer community? Or is it just you're seeing the same thing as you would all over the place? Um, can you reframe that? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, okay, how do I reframe that? Um, certain cultures, certain, um, races tend to have health issues, maybe a little bit more severe than others, but Mm -hmm. I'm wondering with the queer community, if there are less, they tend to work out less because of the the fear of the stigma of going into the gym that they have more health issues just for, from the fear of wanting to go to the gym or the fear of doing races or gaining active. I think they come in with um, more shit, but not necessarily from a lack of access, but just from existing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there tends to be worse um health patterns with queers because mm-hmm. they use them to cope with the fact that they're coming out, that they're not being accepted, that, mm-hmm. you know, their family disowns them, you know, just mental health issues. Um, so like just to throw out some stats, um, less than half, I think it was like 43% of gay men have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot huge. of that comes from the stress of like needing to look like the rip hot porn looking hot guy mm-hmm. um you get a lot of that with um um trans people right like mm-hmm. they they you know when you don't know your trends you just feel off in your body you try to disconnect from that mm-hmm. um and so a lot of them um you know like you try to disconnect and then you figure out that you're trans and then you're like okay i, I want to make my body my home i want to reconnect Mm-hmm. Um, and then depending, you know, if, um, like for example, in trans clients, um, a trans woman, a trans woman, like, let's say for example, they're taking hormonal therapy, mm-hmm. right? Like they want the human, like the, the, the feminine figure, 
but sometimes that often comes with weight gain. Mm-hmm. And so we see some eating disorder stuff develop from that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're kind of, um, we have more shit to deal with, but it mostly comes from the queer experience in this society. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which even more so like drives me because initially I was like, I know the benefits of working out and it sucks that my people can't get these benefits simply because y'all are fucking creepers. Mm-hmm. And so that's one. But then two, the more I learn about the community and um, this, the challenges of being queer in this country, it's like, we're already like, if this is kind of the standard, we're already starting here. And then mm-hmm. we try to go somewhere to make it better and it just shits on us. Mm-hmm. And so that's ultimately like the passion for me. It's like, man, I just want people to be fucking gay, happy and healthy. Like that's what drives me to this day. It's just like, we already have the fucking cards stacked against us. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if we were to try most environments are not affirming and depending on how you identify and what you look like, it can be fucking dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, rape for trans people in locker rooms is a very real thing. You know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, just because you're going to the fucking locker room. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a real thing. And so, um, you know, that's the most extreme, but like, just even, you know, if you're transitioning and you're, and you're in your own hormones, like how does that impact your workouts? How does that impact your nutrition? Like, how do you coach somebody through that? How do you set expectations for them? You know, like for uh, a trans woman, it's having the conversation with them. Like, yes, you're going to get hips. You're also getting a little bit of weight, which is why we're going to counter that with nutrition. And we're going to work out in this way um, with the trans man. It's like, I know you're on testosterone and you feel like the fucking Hulk. Mm-hmm. Okay. But just because your muscles feel strong doesn't mean that your joints, your ligaments are equally strong. Yeah. Okay. So watch out for the, you know, watch out for overtraining, watch out for injury. Um, yeah. And so those little nuances um, keep, you know, I, I've had gym owners that are like, oh, my gym's gay too. Like I have a little gay flag on my website or on my door. And I'm like, That'd be like me telling you I'm white because I'm wearing an America shirt. Like that doesn't make me white. Like I'm still Mexican. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. The way you kind of describe that it's, it's almost like, how do I explain this? You know, me being a straight white woman, I don't know what it's like to be a homosexual in this country, but I do know what it's like to be a woman in this country. And it's interesting how, what you just described with trans it's what, women go through with menopause with men start dropping dropping their testosterone and yet like gyms aren't catering well they're catering to elderly just to keep them active but like if you really look at our health and wellness it's not catering to women going into menopause either and so what the trans are going through i'm not saying it's the same thing but if you kind of look at the really based dealing with hormonal changes big hormonal changes and just knowing how to kind of work with that. And I know I wanted to go somewhere else with this. Mm-hmm. And I just come blanked. I call, I blame it on <laughs> menopause. I have menopause brain. Um, but it is, it's, 
it's also just that knowledge. I mean, that's one of my link, um, big skill set is I have a passion of just knowledge, learning. Learning is like my number one skill thing because mm -hmm. I love learning. But learning how a woman deals with menopause when you're training with them, because things do change. Working with trans, you need to learn how the changes of the hormones are impacting their bodies. And like you said, with the joints and ligaments and knowing, hey, you do feel stronger, but you need to bring it back a second and let's make sure you do this healthy as you go through this. Yeah, it's just ultimately having, <clears throat> like giving enough fucks to go out and understand, mm -hmm. you know, not just like, not just what the community needs from like, you know, a science standpoint, but also really understanding um, the cultural experience with that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just that community, you mentioned that earlier, and we all, even loners want some kind of community. We all, like, if you, I mean, we're in football season. Talk about communities. Like, people come together and have rivals, and we feel good as we're part of this pack because, you know, the Green Bay Giants lose in, or whoever, whoever put that in that spot, or watching Pac-12 and how, like watching some of these games and it's just it's part of the community health and wellness going to the gym it's a community wanting just to be around your people like people are being accepted not mm -hmm. your people but just being accepted having that community is actually really important for health and wellness as well and just feeling safe and comfortable with what we're doing and not always on edge and afraid like having that i don't mm -hmm. know what else to say but that community that group I had a call this morning, somebody that was looking into signing up with us and they asked me a really good question. They said, you know, I'm kind of shopping around. Have you heard of this other program? And I was like, yes, I'm familiar. And so well, like, what would you say? How is this different to that? And I was like, it's not, it's pretty much the damn same fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but what I will tell you is that you know, a push-up is a push-up here, there, everywhere, right? Like, an apple is an apple here, there. Like, that doesn't change. Um, what I would tell you, if you know, to consider when you're selecting a program is, I would tell people, like, there's two things to making this a lifestyle. Like, number one, you got to figure out what the fuck you like. Mm -hmm. Right? So, like, some Definitely. people like Zumba, some people like CrossFit, some people like rock climbing, I love basketball, some people love yoga, like, you got to find the mm -hmm. flavor that you like. Not all ice cream is good ice cream. You got to find your flavor. Yeah. Like that you enjoy within fitness. That's like step one. Mm -hmm. And then step two is like you may find the thing that you love, but if you don't find the people that you love doing it with, it won't stick. So like I love basketball. But it doesn't mean I want to play basketball with like a bunch of like rednecks Trumpers. <laughs> So if you can figure out what you like, if you can figure mm -hmm. out your community, the chances of this becoming a lifestyle mm -hmm. skyrocket. Yes, definitely. All right. Yeah. So we are definitely coming close to the end. I want to ask you one more question because bringing this in. Yeah. Well, there was a couple, but I think. And this may kind of play into this because I definitely want to know a little bit more about the programs because I want you to tell everyone kind of about like what the programs kind of entail. But what kind of advice would someone in the queer community that wants to start working out but doesn't know or get healthier but doesn't know where to start and it's worried about going to the gym or has had bad experience going to the gym so it doesn't they don't want to lift? Like, what kind of advice would you 
give them? <clears throat> I mean, if you want to save time, finding a finding a good coach, and mm -hmm. good is subjective to each person. Um, everybody's saying the shit, the same shit everyone is delivering it in their own way. So it's just more so about finding the delivery that jives with you. Um, but that's kind of like advice I take with myself, with anything, like any new thing I'm trying to learn, I can go Google it. It's all there. It's going to take me fucking forever to get through it all. Or I could just work with the coach. Um, it does cost you a little bit more, but it does save you a lot more time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm a big fan of mentoring. I'm a big fan of coaching. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, looking to those that are doing it, um, that are like one, two, three steps ahead, not someone who's like a billion miles ahead of you because at that point it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. um, I also think getting really clear on your goal. Um, most people set goals and forget them. Like I'll have a conversation with somebody over the phone when they sign up and they're like, my goal is this. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, how's goal? What was my goal? I'm like, you don't even remember your fucking goal. I am. I am. Yes. I am big on that area. And I have my clients do a lot around that. I don't, I'm like, I, I make them type it all up. I make, yeah, I have a whole, a whole thing. I yeah. Have my clients with goals. Cause that I'm totally with you. That is goals are important. And I feel like for most people, it's not about doing more shit. It's mm -hmm. about doing less shit. Like, if you want to just feel better, like, clean up your fucking house. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to do better, like, you want to feel better, like, take things off your calendar. Subtract things off your calendar. Mm -hmm. Subtract shitty relationships. Like, I think it's just like a deep, deep house cleaning that um, is a good space to start with somebody. Because then at that point, you have the energetic room, the emotional space to be like, okay, just that alone. I fucking feel so much better. And yeah, now you're also more protective about what you invite back in. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually be intentional about like, well, what do I want to bring in back in? Like, what do mm -hmm. I want to, you know, but marketing has done a great job of being like, oh, you want to get in shape? Just fucking beast mode. And it's like, well, workouts, Workouts is the less, the least ROI in terms of like your results. Workouts are more so like uh, mental health, therapy release, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But if everybody could just sleep better, drink water, set some fucking boundaries mm -hmm. and just say no sometimes. Yeah. Like, and yes to yourself. Oh, sorry to cut that off, but yeah. I actually call that mom syndrome. When I was working integrated behavioral health, I saw this all the time with women is that women have this nurturing thing. And they, what happens is they end up putting so much focus on taking care of their family that they neglect themselves and they start having their own health issues because they forget to think about themselves. And they're like, no, my family's important. And I'm like, yeah, it is, but you can't take care of your family if you don't take care of yourself first. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. And then especially with menopausal women, actually cutting back exercise is, depending on how much they're doing, it's sometimes better to cut back a little bit. And yeah. then, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, if I know now, you know, if I would have known then what I know now, like I definitely would have not worked out so much, mm -hmm. you know, definitely. All right. So we only have a few minutes left. Um, where can listeners find you and find out more about your programs? Like, do you have, Oh, and that's a two part question. So do you have like a beginner? So someone who wants to start 
putting their toes in? What kind of programs can they look for on your yeah. website, et cetera? So to get started with us, we basically do a six-week trial. Mm-hmm. So we work with you one-on-one for six the first six weeks. Um, you mm-hmm. get to try us, we get to try you, because it needs to be a two-way street. Um, Definitely. You know, after those six weeks, your your coach may not want to continue working with you. After those six weeks, you may not want to continue working with your coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the accountability aspect of like, okay, if I'm a good coach, my client will stay. If I'm a good client, my coach will stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those first six weeks is really just, we give you everything that you need from fitness to nutrition, to accountability, to community. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we hang out for six weeks and after six weeks, we're like, all right, what's going on here? Are we going to U-Haul this and like get a cat and like do the thing or, <laughs> you know, was this just not a good fit? Yeah. Um, and then, and I think in terms of like where to get the information from, I think I'm the most active on Instagram. Okay. Um, so I think there you can kind of see a little bit more of like our coaching philosophy and, you know, kind of our vibe. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on TikTok too, but I don't know TikTok that well, like I do Instagram. Um, <laughs> okay. I think, yeah, I think if you follow us on Instagram and you're like, I like the shit talking. I like the goofiness. I like, you know, I like what I'm seeing. Um, then I think um, from there, uh, getting on the phone, talking to one of our coaches and finding out if, you know, if it's a good fit from there, we've kind of be the next step. I love it, that six week introductory thing um, program. I really want to make it 12. Um, and we have made it 12, but six weeks is a little bit more chewable for people. People freak out about commitment sometimes, even if it's to their health, which is wild to me, but we got to yeah. make sure we're at. I can get both things. I get, I see both sides, definitely. But six weeks, it's sometimes hard to see a lot of progress. Anything less than six, definitely not. Um, but minimum six. And then, yeah, six to 12, somewhere in there. Yeah. Or, I don't know, move it to eight. There's an in-between. Yeah. Yeah, it's just too many times I see people that will do the six weeks and they're like, okay, I got it. I'm going to try it on my own. I'm like, not yeah. yet. Not yet. You have <laughs> yet. Well, it, six weeks. Six weeks, you can learn some new behaviors. But as a for me, six weeks is it's hard to. You're get just getting those, the hang of it. Yeah, those behaviors haven't solidified yet. They're not. Yeah ingrained into you yet so i always always tell them like don't get cocky get consistent Mm -hmm. big keyword yes all right definitely i will have your uh all your oh my god brain fart menopause brain i'm telling you it's a real thing all like your website all that information in the show notes as well so everyone can find you um and i just thank you so much for coming on i love this and i wish we would have gotten more into the program i know we're running out of time oh but yeah oh so really quick that's kind of how i found you i don't know how i (laughs) i was all doing some research i'm like okay what can i do with my business so i started like scoping around and then you popped up on my page and i was like oh what is all this Oh, they got coaches, they got personal trainers and health coaches. I was like, check this out. They have a couple of different things. What's going on here? So I just, I bookmarked your page. I was like, all right, this is not kind of what I was looking for, but I'm like, I got to keep this on the side note over here. Started to, two months later, doing more research on something completely different. And you show up again on my web on my page. I was like, 
oh, I need to email her now and start talking to her because this is a cool, <laughs> this is just a cool site. I'm loving this because I have yet to see anything like it. I was like, oh, this is just cool. Check this out. What is this? <laughs> I was like, so your that page just really because it's not that mundane. I, not to put down oh, white yeah. people because I am white, but it wasn't like the mundane cis male, like white, just boring. It it has flavor and it's just, but it's not obnoxious. It's just enough to be your to be different. And I like different, you know, is so, um, but that's cool. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate having you here. This was, uh, this was meant to be. Yes, I think it was. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I always, um, I struggle with like, I'm always like, like, thank you for thinking that what we're doing here is cool, you know? And, um, one of the things I'm really working on is like stepping into my power and like mm-hmm. not approaching these types of things with like, Oh, like, you know, immig- like first generation immigrant mentality of like, I'm just so grateful. For- like, it's like, I am grateful for the opportunity. and I'm thankful to be here, mm-hmm. but also like I earned my way here and like, it's okay mm-hmm. to step into that. And like, you know, so I'm, I'm working on how to accept the compliments and, um, and just like feel them and, and like be with them and not be all like, Oh, it's just little me trying to do, you know, it's like, you're a bad bitch. Own it. Step into yes. it. You got to have that same attitude, like that queen song. That's like my gym song. When I used to work on a military base, I would walk into the free weight section and it'd be mostly all, all males because army, that's, they always work out. Yeah. Like the gyms are always packed. And I grab my little five to 10 pound dumbbell and I'd be like doing my flies and my arms would just, my shoulders would do the striation. And I'm like, guys, look at this look 10 pounds look they're better than yours with your 30 pounds over there and And it's attitude you just kind of have to own it you be you like just be you that's the work i'm doing right now so all right great thank you thank you